0: Reporter for Bloomberg News in San Francisco. Go check out her work if you haven't yet, because she's really talented and she puts out really great content. I love following her on Twitter. Um, but unfortunately, Sarah wasn't able to do the podcast. That's the lemons. But she offered to recommend some other interesting people for the show. And soon thereafter, I got an email from her recommending Travis. And I'm just going to read this email to you because she does such a great job of summarizing what makes Travis so interesting in just uh, a simple paragraph. So here's the email. Hi, Frank. Travis Sigley is one of the more interesting people I know in San Francisco. He's not in the tech scene at all. Nobody I've ever covered. He's just an interesting person I met years ago with a lot of friends and a good story. Some intriguing things. He founded Cuddle Therapy, where he makes money by charging to cuddle people. He recently started wearing shirts after not wearing them for eight years. He runs a tea shop. He's very San Francisco. And there it was. Lemons to lemonade right there. I mean, who would read that email and then not want to talk to this guy? So I emailed Travis, and he invited me down to the tea house he opened up recently called The Tea Oasis. And it's a really beautiful space. Uh, We sat down in there on a Monday morning, uh, sipped some tea, and chatted about cuddle therapy, his eight shirtless years, and the tea house. And in case you need even more entertainment than that, we talked about his time as a stripper, the time he was surrounded by Metro Police in Paris, his recent topless tea party, and if he could cuddle with one person in San Francisco, if he could pick out Anybody he wanted to cuddle with in San Francisco, who would that person be? He tells me that on the show. Oh, yeah, this is good. And we also talk about the Lower Hate, which is the neighborhood where Travis lives. So he shares his favorite spots there and throughout San Francisco. Let's go talk to Travis. <laughs> To talk about the cuddle therapy mm-hmm. business that you started, and what led to that. And I've I've read multiple there's a, there's a lot of information lot, yeah, on you out there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've read that you at some point became a stripper, mm-hmm. and um, some insights from that job mm-hmm. kind of led you down that path. I also heard that you had some health issues um, that allowed you to like get form better relationships and connections, and that led it led you so. In your own words, I guess, w-
1: sure. what is it that you think led to to starting cuddle therapy? Yeah, there, there ended up being a lot, um, and one of one of which I, I was I was doing the stripping work when I was going through school, kind of like you know the the typical stripper story of dancing and Needed some for money, school, right? Exactly, All right? Um, and it was fun. I just love dancing. I, I I love the. Um, I didn't realize I love performance, but I love that too. So it was a whole other like world of, of expansion exploration and, and ways of having fun and making money. Mm -hmm. And that was the first kind of aha moment of being able to do that. Um, of just like enjoying my experience of work all the time. Um, and one of the biggest things I noticed there very quickly, uh, was that so many of the people that came into the the club were really just looking for human connection. It wasn't at all about the sexuality or objectification or wanting to look or anything. It was just really about being lonely, um, mm-hmm. and not having an outlet to express and experience this kind of stuff outside of paying for it. Like I will pay you to be close to me and talk to me and hang out. Um, and And so it was a really really fascinating study on, on like that was I'm kind of an experiential learner, and that was a big study in human psychology mm-hmm. uh, and and what was so fascinating about it and I turned that inspiration to starting this cuddling um, business because a lot of a lot of people there that's like they would just want to cuddle and talk that mm-hmm. was a huge like huge theme right. uh, there and And it's, it it was something that kind of blew my mind that people have to go into like a strip club or the sex industry in order to get some of their touch and intimacy and connection needs met because it just doesn't, it isn't available in the way we live culture unless we have a particular makeup of life. Right. Um, Nor do we get to learn any of the tools or develop emotional or social intelligence to be comfortable to interact with people that way and, and develop like quick and safe bonds and trust with people. Um, so that that's kind of what feeds this whole world, um, and this whole industry. And I thought people don't need to go into the sex industry to get their intimacy needs met. Like that's a very separate thing. And the problem is as a culture, we don't necessarily separate those things. Um, so, I wanted to just kind of start something new and see just see what happens. you know print out some business cards and say that i that I do it and start exploring it and and I was doing it. I had a lot of experience doing it in in the club, mm-hmm. uh, and so I wanted to branch out and, and try it outside of that and see when the context has shifted, how does the work shift um, and That was a, a big a big part of the kind yeah. of how that began
0: yeah, so you hear about all of these far out business ideas that people try, mm-hmm. you know, and they work. But I mean, this one, this one's way out there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I'm trying to picture what it was like, you know, you, you obviously you, you get the sense that people, there's a need for this. There's a demand for this, mm-hmm. but when you start, I, I guess, promoting it, publicizing it and getting the word out there, I would imagine people think that's a little weird. Sure. Um, what kind of responses did you get early on? Was it a you know you're nuts, or were people like really supportive and 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 thought it was going to work?
1: Um, well, luckily, and, and part of the beauty of San Francisco is people are pretty open minded here. Right. So, um, and which is an interesting culture to test because I would like to see well where are the where are the boundaries and the walls of like what's too far out even for San Francisco. Um, not not necessarily that, that was the intention of this business, but it provided uh, an environment and a city that just in general could have been supportive for it. Um, but honestly, when I, when I went out into the world and and spoke with people, they were really supportive of it. Like, wow, this is, this is really incredible work. And really like they understood the need for it and they understood the challenge of getting it to be a thing because it's so not available and we're so far removed from it, let alone to pay for it. Um, that this, this basic idea of, of human touch as, as a foundational human need, uh, is pretty well understood here. So there was a lot of support and there were, there were a couple people, um, over the course of in you know, the last six, seven years since I started this, that really had a lot of resistance to it and didn't think intimacy and touch and cuddling should be something that's paid for. Um, which is a totally valid and, and legitimate response. Um, and, and and my retort to that is always, uh, that, I would rather someone um, pays for it and has access to it than not accessing it at all, um, and mainly because I've, I've I'm in the sessions, I experience them, I, I see how how profound of an of an impact it has on my clients because this is the only place they get it in their life, um, and it just kind of washes over and helps all parts of their life, and just to be able to get out of the space of, of anxiety that a kind of like hyper fast paced culture, uh, especially in San Francisco and the Bay area mm-hmm. uh, can promote.
0: So how does it work? You say you make an app- one-on-one appointment with somebody, mm-hmm. you knock on their door. Um, take me through
1: what a, what a typical session is like. Sure. With somebody. Sure. Um, yeah. they the knock on their door. They come to my studio, whichever, um, but then we just kind of sit and talk for a little bit, uh, just have a little bit of casual conversation, ice breaking. It, it kind of goes differently with each pe- with different people. Some people are really relaxed and easy about it, and they understand like, oh no problem. I'm, I I get what the service is all about. Some people are really nervous coming coming into it, um, and just having like little casual talk helps ease and like break the ice and just kind of relax into this stranger that's in their house. that's about to cuddle with them that they're, they're paying, you know, it's, it's, it's a very odd thing to wrap their head yeah. around. Um, but, but ultimately I, I, j- I just didn't have conversations around, um, whatever they kind of bring up and develop a, a, a relationship of understanding and being able to kind of see where one another's coming from and just, you know, develop rapport, um, and that sense of connection and trust, uh, and then after that for a little bit, just kind of like the natural intake process, then I'll ask some questions about kind of what it is that they're needing this for, you know, why they called me. It's a very particular service. Um, and then walk them through the session itself, uh, and then ask if they have any other questions and then just have, have the session, um, and what the session looks like, what I tell them, like when I walk them through it, uh, as we'll just kind of sit for a second and. Uh, we'll sit for a second and and close our eyes and just take a few deep breaths to relax because often people are really nervous. Mm -hmm. Um, and just settle in for a minute. Uh, and then after a while, just kind of lay back and say, we're going to start the session and, um, and start cuddling. And in the midst of, of the session, really anything goes. I mean, I'm very clear around the, the sexual and hygienic boundaries, uh, even before I get there, uh, over the phone or whatever, but, um, But as long as they're within those boundaries, you can talk, you can relax, you can talk about your problems, you can say nothing the entire time. Um, You can make any request for me to massage or rub or touch, you know, somewhere that's non erogenous uh, in their body and and just be there. I'm I'm really there to support them and, and to just hold them literally. Um, and help them help them relax and just take a second for themselves because so few people get a chance to do that.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I definitely picked up on when I read through your website mm-hmm. that you continuously emphasize that you know this is cuddling and touching in a non-sexual nature mm-hmm. and there's boundaries and you know you're very clear on that. Do people have a hard time separating the two? Um, I know earlier you were kind of talking about how, you know, that's one of the challenges with just, I guess people, mm-hmm. right. Is separating touch from like sexual, um, in your sessions. Do you find people have a hard time with that? No,
1: not really. Um, kind of the, the the reason why it was a slow to start business is because there's such deep ingrained culture of sexuality and touch and intimacy being, um, the same thing Mm -hmm. according to what we, we perceive. But when people are at the point where they're ready to hire someone to do this and kind of invite this into their space, it's very clear that it's, they're, they're wanting something that's not sexual. You know, there's, there's this deep craving in people's lives that they do want touch and intimacy and affection and to just be held and to relax and slow down. And there's a lot of people that just want, just want cuddling. Um, you know, I, I I would argue all of us at some point in our lives. Um, and, and because it's so clear around what those boundaries are, no one would hire me to get sexually frustrated, you right. know, <laughs> like it's, it, it seems a little off for yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really clear in the sessions. People totally get it and, and it's exactly what they need, which is why they bring me in.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. What type of, I want to ask you like what type of clients, what's your typical clientele is? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just me sitting here thinking I'm thinking, all right, uh, people who maybe have gotten out of a relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and are, and are just really lonely or, um, people just going through various problems in their life just need to be held. I mean, is there a typical client that you have?
1: Um, there, there are some themes certainly that you kind of touched on those, any kind of big transitions in life, um, and feeling isolated and lonely through those transitions. So being out of a relationship is one of those. Um, or any kind of like new problems. There are people that will come in with, with health, health issues and that they're not coming to me to like fix their health issues they're coming to me to help help them relax and not stress out and freak out about the fact that they're going through these things and just take a second to, um, uh, to, to de-stress. Cause that's stress is one of the worst things that can happen in your body, especially when you're having problems. Uh, and that coupled with any, any, um, medical stuff is, is going to really, uh, really make it much harder to recover from. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that and just general loneliness and isolation. People that have been single and not haven't had a partner for a really long time and don't have a community or a friend circle or a group of people that they can really, really be close with and and touch, um, and close in any version of it, not just touching them, but like really being emotional and open and and being able to connect with them. Uh, A lot of people just don't have that. You know, there's a lot of kind of baseline, somewhat shallow relationships and and groups of friends. And it's, it's again, understandable. We, we don't, we're not told and and shown and given the tools how to really deeply connect and and trust one another and develop relationships in that kind of way. Um, We naturally do because we're inclined and and need to do it for healthy survival, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not something we're shown how to do. So it's, it's not overly common. Is it both men and women Mm -hmm. that uh, come to you? Yep. I see, I see more women than I do men. Um, and usually because touch and sexuality are still so intertwined, usually sexual orientation is someone who is attracted to men since I'm in a male body. Right. Um, but there have been some, some, some gay women and some straight men that have come to see me and it's been really, it's been actually really profound for them. Because uh, generally there's this kind of arm's length distance, if not two arm's length distance from people that they're not sexually attracted to. Um, uh, and again, another understandable thing that's happening uh, since intimacy and sex are so so close. Um, but that's that's usually very, very profound sessions for people because they ne they never do that they would never cuddle with a man if they're yeah not a, they not never go over to their buddy's
0: house turn on the game and be like you know we should cuddle on the totally. couch and yeah. watch this together <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> although I, I think that would be um you think that would be you think people well.
0: should do that yeah
1: uh i we're we're a few steps away from that. Uh, right. Eventually, when, when we're able to desexualize touch, I think if they do it now, it's too confusing. Uh, and it's it's way too much going on to think about that being a thing. And there's still going to be a lot of shame wrapped up in that. And it's in in an ideal world. Sure. Absolutely. I think that would be great. But um, I, I, I think that's unrealistic to expect currently. All right. Mm-hmm.
0: So how many, if you had to ballpark guess, how many people have you cuddled with? There's going uh, to do this profession of professional, professionally? Profe- okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro- professional cuddles only. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, gosh, um, I mean, hundreds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would imagine you're cuddling with hundreds of, of people mm-hmm. that there's gotta be some interesting, um, things that have happened, some interesting characters you've met, some emotional moments you've been a part of, both mm-hmm. probably happy and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any particular, you know, sessions or clients or stories that really stand out to you when you think back on all the cuddling you've mm-hmm. done?
1: <laughs> there, there are a couple of 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 them that really stand out. Um, one in particular, and I've spoken to this a few times in different interviews, but I don't think anyone's actually. Um, written about it or shared about it. But uh there was a client in one of my workshops actually that I there's we kind of break off and do some cuddling at the end of it and uh she approached me and asked me to cuddle with her while while we are in the in the kind of like cuddle time after the workshop. Um and while we were while we were laying there, she um was expressing to me that she felt this lightness and openness in her chest um and it just kind of like she was able to relax into that and it's it was so profound because she'd felt it chronically since she was six or seven she'd never not felt tightness in her chest it was Hmm. a chronic condition that she had um every day of of her life um pretty much save for the first few years um but for as long as she could remember and Just being with her through the transition process of that not being a thing anymore and coming out of a a chronic sensation and and having a different bodily experience uh, and seeing that as a possibility um, was a pretty was a pretty profound experience to to watch her and to be there with her and to see see how potent the capacity of like relaxing and, and trusting someone can can change your physiological state. Um, to something that had been there forever. And obviously I, that's not the only thing that's happened. Clearly it's been a lot of work building up to it because right. um, I've had chronic pain in, in my own life too. And it took a lot of work over years to kind of finally come to a place of of being pain-free. Um, but it was still really fascinating to be there in that moment of, of shift. Because I remember when I was not in pain for the first time in four years, it was a very... Strange, didn't f- quite understand what was happening, kind of experience. Because um, I was expecting it forever because it's been so long. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes you appreciate your health. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of the things I always um, notice whenever I get sick, whenever I get a cold. Mm-hmm. Just that little bit of uncomfortableness can make you feel so crappy. And then mm-hmm. when you're like just normal and healthy again, it feels amazing. Yeah. It feels like I'm so superhuman. To, yeah. And so to yeah. be able to do that, like to feel that pretty much 99% of every day, I should be more thankful of that mm-hmm. than I am, you know? So if you could cuddle with anyone in San Francisco, <laughs> and I know I'm putting you on the spot yeah, here, great. but you know, in, any client, if you could have any client you wanted in San Francisco, who would it be? Oh, that's a great question.
1: I'm amazed no one's ever asked this to me. Asked me this. Um. This is a hard question. Because I, I, I'm my my brain is going like professionally. Like, where would I like to go? Right. To have an experience like kind of the. I mean. I think the mayor would be pretty. Pretty phenomenal, yeah just to have that experience like in political office and with a pretty open minded cool mayor, but also probably not this open minded right um. <laughs> <laughs> and again, to kind of like see like help expand and just to have that experience to to um, put that experience into the idea of like this is a normal human thing, um, but very clearly in a very non normal experience with somebody in political office who 's running the city. Um, cause when I think about this, I, 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 started this, this whole thing because of, um, human impact, doing good for people and, and providing something that they don't have. Um, and not only just in the personal one-on-one stuff, but just the story of it and, and seeing what can come from, uh, sharing about it and talking about it and just it as an idea, like you can cuddle for a living and it's a yeah. profession and it's valuable. And cause we equate money and value. And if people pay for it, then it becomes a valuable thing. Um, especially when it goes into the way in which we, um, th- do the structure of our cities and the str like this whole structure of how this, um, this country is, is built up, you know, p- um, politics are, are very deeply intertwined in that obviously. Um, so that's, that's kind of the first thing that popped in my mind was yeah. yeah the mayor. I thought,
0: you know, I actually thought maybe that was somebody you would throw out there. <laughs> and, and yeah, I would say if you can get the mayor to cuddle with you, mm-hmm then that you have definitely achieved a breakthrough in kind of showing the world that this is, this is normal mm-hmm. and a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, I don't know the mayor, but if I ever <laughs> see him
1: out there? I'll, uh, I'll put in a good word. Yeah. Maybe someone who <laughs> listens to this will make that connection happen. And yeah, and yeah, it'll either, it'll either show us like, this is a whole new thing that we can do or like, okay, San Francisco really out there That's to right. the rest of the world. Yeah, That's we'll right.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm noticing, you know, I'm sitting here with you, and mm-hmm. you're wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other thing that there's just loads of stuff out there on the internet about oh, yeah. about you and your shirtless years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've read that you went eight years mm-hmm. um, without wearing a shirt. Um, but you know, I've read that you went the entire eight years without. I, I've read that sometimes you did have to put one on for like certain
1: occasions. Mm-hmm. So how shirtless were you for eight years? Um, for eight years, I was, I was about spelling like 95% shirtless. Okay. Um, there were some occasions, like you said, where I just, I, I can't fly to another country if I don't put a shirt on to get on the airplane. I tried several times. So you showed um, up at like security without a shirt. I've been, I've been to the gate several times without a shirt, oh. but I haven't actually gotten onto the airplane ever. Okay. Um, <laughs> When I've been traveling like, I think rap- it'd be easier for them to uh, check right, you out right, of security. Right, right. I've had some very odd experiences in security at airports from, uh, that it's yeah. it, nothing, nothing bad. It was just like very interesting and odd like ways. Cause they've never had to interact with somebody trying to get into the airport without a shirt on. I've like museums and airports and all these different places that no one's ever had to handle this or right. deal with it. Um, it's, it was, it was really, really fascinating. But, I'm also the whole point of it. One of the whole points is obviously a lot and an eight year daily practice. Um, one of the big points was to kind of, um, expand and open up my experience of life and see what else I can, I can have access to. And, um, which which is a lot to say because it's it's a very clear privilege to be able to do it um being being a male being a white male being a white male in san francisco in the u.s um being someone who has like able-bodied and having all these different things that allow me to do this for so long um So there's a lot of consciousness and a lot of awareness that came into doing that. And that's a big part of what was expanding. Um, and I was very clearly present in the room everywhere I went, um, and had to like manage that and not ever impose myself anywhere or on anyone. So it was never a huge thing for me to put a shirt on. I was very well aware. Like I want to be able to expand into life and some people are just going to instantly resist me. Mm -hmm. Um, and some places I just can't go to, um, And so I, I, I knew I wasn't trying to like be hard and strong on my identity of being a shirtless person. You don't understand I'm shirtless. (laughs) This is what I do. It's, it's not very (laughs) empathetic. Like I understand where they're coming from also and I can't demand they understand where I come from if I don't do the same. Yeah. Um, so I was always happy to do so, but it was like kind of, well, where can I go without it? What can I do without it? Yeah. Um, and I mean, in San Francisco, I ended up creating a lot of jobs for myself where I don't need a shirt to work and to do things. And so even all my professions, I was I was shirtless and didn't have to worry about it. And um, for some cuddle clients, I put a shirt on, uh, but a lot of them, it was all word of mouth and they met me before they knew what I did. And they also heard that part of the story. And I asked them like, Hey, so I'm shirtless. Do you mind if I'm like this in our session? And and it's. It again, like normalizes the body and normalizes the fact that like you can still touch skin and it's not sexual. Right. Um, so it, it was a very, very fascinating exploration and actually just nine days ago, uh, ended. I had a big oh, nine I, days mm-hmm, ago. I just started wearing shirts again. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: What, uh, okay. Well, we're going to come back to that. Yep. Yep. But first I want to know about the first day. Mm-hmm. I want to know what prompted this. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you just wake up one morning? And decide to do this
1: or was this kind of building up over time? I mean, I woke up one morning and decided to do this, but it was just for that day. I wasn't planning on it being a thing. I just woke up, I, I was like the weekend, I had nothing to do. I was gonna go to the beach, I was gonna hang out with my friends, just to do a whole lot of nothing. I was looking at my day when I was waking up. Right. I'm like, why am I getting dressed for this? This is weird. I wanna <laughs> be comfortable. And I took my jeans off, my t shirt off, and I put on pajamas and I'm like, I'm just gonna be comfortable the whole time. And for the first like two years, it was shirtless in pajamas. So it was just, I am a creature of comfort. I'm going to relax through this experience of life. Um, and it turned into a lot of different things beyond that. But it it was just a day. And the next day, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep being comfortable. And then after that, like, why would I not be comfortable? And then it just kind of kept going. Right. Yeah. So um, you, you, we've talked
0: about a few of the like maybe awkward moments, you know, like mm-hmm. going to the airport when you had to wear a shirt on. <laughs> when you had to put a shirt on, I'm sorry. I want to know, I would imagine you've been in a lot of like uncomfortable or awkward situations without a shirt. And like you said, I mean, everyone in the room is going to like be noticing you. Right. What is the most like uncomfortable or awkward moment you had shirtless, both from just like a socially awkward moment? I want to hear that. Uh And then number two, from like a physically uncomfortable, like you were really cold
1: moment. Right. Okay. Got it. Um the cold moment is much easier than the social moment because they were just like a very clear like this is the coldest place I'd been in um oh socially awkward moment um you can give me a few yeah gosh I, the thing is um it's it's been it's been a really long time since I've equated awkward with something that stands out, right? It's, it's something like, it's a really, it's a place I'm not really afraid of or uncomfortable in like moments of discomfort is a moment of like, Oh, this is a, this is a wall and a boundary and we can like gently touch this mm-hmm. and rub on it and see what happens. Um, and know that like discomfort is, is a sensation of becoming more open-minded to something else. Um, for me and for other people, like there's awkwardness all around. Um, right. But when,
0: I mean, I'm just picturing,
1: you know, the airport is one. Mm-hmm. I'm picturing you Airport's like sitting one. in a nice
0: restaurant, shirtless, mm-hmm. or maybe like having some kind of discussion with the host or hostess mm-hmm. about whether they're going to let you in there. um, Meeting, you know, like your girlfriend's mm-hmm. parents for the first time. Right. You know, <laughs> you know these these are the types of things that are like running through my mind. Right. Of like, where maybe it wasn't awkward to you because I mean, you um, are comfortable with this and have been right. doing it for a while. But like other people.
1: Um, you know, okay, so I think, um, Actually, they both happened. The like physical discomfort and social discomfort happened in the same place. Okay. Um, a few years ago, I moved to Paris for three months um, and got an apartment. Like, started working there. Just like, kind of like made a little bit um, just to kind of test the waters, if I can like leave the country and start a new life there. And then, with the intention of coming back to San Francisco. Um, but I, I went in the dead of winter, in like January, February, March, and That's one of the cool. coldest one of the coldest years they had in a long time. Too, even the Parisians are like, I am not prepared for this. I don't have jackets that. Allow me to stay warm enough here. Um, and, you know, I was bopping around with a, like a hat and a scarf um, and no shirt and maybe two pairs of pants and two pairs of socks. It was, it was, and sometimes gloves also. It was a comical. <laughs> everything uh, but a shirt. Yeah, exactly. Everything <laughs> but, you know, new in French, uh, topless. Uh, and that was definitely the kind of the biggest stretch and expansion of my own physical sensation. I've been doing it a long time, so I'm really. I'm sensitive to sensation but also very resilient. I don't get cold easily at all. Mm. Um clearly if I can be out there in like 13 14 degrees for a couple of weeks uh which is what it, about what it was. It was like a 2 week stint of like between 13 and 17 degrees um Fahrenheit. Um and that was that was definitely like the edge of my my boundaries being tested. Like can you still stay comfortable when it's this cold? Um And it still, it it worked. Um, It was definitely, it took me a while to kind of be um, be okay and be comfortable in it. But when it becomes this daily thing, the body just adapts pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, So that was the coldest I'd ever been in. Um, And therefore also created a lot of especially awkward moments because it's absolutely freezing out people and there's this crazy american here <laughs> that's shirtless and really colorful and you know there's like a lot of like kind of neutral dark colors kind of mm-hmm. going on in parisian culture especially in the winter when no one wants to be like vibrant and open and weed because it's cold and they're miserable and they just want to go home and like lay in bed and watch a movie and like go to sleep um totally understandable I wanted to do the same a lot too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it it led to a lot of um, interesting experiences there. And there were a couple times when I was riding the Metro around Paris and like just shirtless hanging out. And there's a, you know, Train full of people that are all around me and really kind of uncomfortable. And um, a couple times, like metro police would walk up and just kind of surround me and start hassling me a little bit. And like, why? why are you shirtless? And apparently, it's illegal to be shirtless in Paris. You can't. It's illegal to yeah, be shirtless it's illegal, in Paris yeah, for men. For men, also, yeah. Um, very, very fascinating. Um, I, I would not have expected that. No, I, I mean. I, I didn't expect it, but, um, it didn't necessarily surprise me. Um, not, not indicative of that culture in, in particular, just as, as a thing, you know, bodily expression is very clearly a highly shameful thing. Um, but it, it like all of these awkward moments kind of dissolved into funny things because oh, yeah. it's not some, again, not something people generally have to deal with and like, Oh, he's from San Francisco. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it that, that was always my out. That was always my out. And I'm like, I just, I don't have a shirt. I can't put one on. Like, I didn't know it was illegal. I'm sorry. And and I, I would put on a, like a really thick American accent and speak in French. I, I speak French, so it was like easy to communicate with them. But um, kind of play it down a little bit. Like I didn't know because I, I knew when the first time it happened. But you know, the consecutive times. I knew that it was illegal, but still kind of just went for it anyway. I'm like, I really don't think I'm going to get arrested or ticketed for this. So I'm right. still going to try doing it uh, and see what happens. But yeah, yeah. There were plenty of awkward moments out there.
0: Yeah. How did you reason with people? I mean, so I'm thinking of going back again to the airport scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you know, you're next in line, you walk up to the agent, mm-hmm. you're shirtless, um, or you're walking to a restaurant, you're talking to the host or hostess, you're shirtless and they're trying to get you to put a shirt on. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, what are those conversations typically like? And how are you trying to
1: reason with these people that they should let you continue without, <laughs> without the <this> shirt? <laughs> well, usually, um, I, I, I can give a pretty good read when, uh, when someone's not going to budge and like, <laughs> I'm either going to have to leave or put a shirt on. That's yeah. kind of like the two options. And then assess like, do I want to stay or do I want to leave? Cause that's like, am I hanging out with friends? I'm going to want to stay. Do I really need like to do this grocery shopping right now. No, I can leave. Um, and so I, 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 but I always have a, just a human to human conversation, you know, it just allows us the, the time to just have a real chat right. and tell them about what's going on and a little bit about my story and feel like, oh, they get kind of interested. And I can, I can just see like the cogs rolling in their head of like, what is, what, who is this guy? What is happening with this? Um, but just, you know, let them Talk to them. It depends on who they are, but just talk to them about my my story, my practice, my experience, kind of why I do it, what's going on with it. Sometimes while putting a shirt on, because I know I want to stay there, um, and but just have a conversation. You know, I, there's there's a uh, you know an authority figure that's coming up to me, expecting me to do the thing that they want to, um, and I, I they don't feel the pushback because I I get it and I understand their position and why they want to do this. It's totally understandable. Um, and not feeling the pushback and being having a conversation that's normal and human. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really all it takes. You know, there's no like words or phrases to do it, but just to talk to them as if they're a person, um, and have a conversation with them, uh, and then act accordingly depending on want if I want to stay or go. Um, right. Yeah. And even if I leave and there's like, Oh, they feel kind of bad, like, oh, he was kind of a nice guy. And well, I'm sure you gave, him you gave them a story. You gave them a great story for dinner or right, exactly. drinks later with their exactly. friends. And you
0: never believe what happened. This guy without a <laughs> shirt came in and tried to blah, blah, blah. Right. So you mentioned that, um, was it nine days ago? You said you yep. put you put a shirt, you started wearing yeah, shirts wearing again. Shirts. Mm-hmm. So why? What prompted that decision? And then uh, did you do anything special?
1: Mm-hmm. For the uh, for the first shirt. Was there any type of ceremony yeah. or anything like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um So the why um is an interesting question. And there there are just as many reasons why as there were reasons to, to not be wearing it. Um, and I'm still kind of unpacking those cause I'm still kind of experiencing for the first time in my mature adult life being clothed, fully clothed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still understanding why it is, but I knew there was something on the other side like, and it's, it's time to make the transition. Um, but in a large part, I feel like I kind of got to the plateau of what I, what I could learn about this experience. Um, and it was also kind of a, a a testament to not kind of self-identifying too strongly with anything, including this thing I've been doing every single day that everyone in my life identifies me with mm-hmm. and, and like pushing into that really uncomfortable space. Like, oh man, this is going to be really interesting. And so I'm going to have a lot of conversations with every single person I run across, like you're wearing a shirt, what's going on? And having to talk about that.
0: Yeah. Now it's the opposite. Yeah, now. Now, it's not yeah like, exactly. Why aren't you
1: wearing a shirt? It's why are you wearing a shirt? Are you crazy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, and just seeing the, the hilarity of me in a shirt and the, the presence of a shirt and the presence of a fully clothed person is so shocking to people. It's yeah. really, it's really interesting. Um, and then for the, for the, like, that's, that's one of the many reasons, but it's, it's time to, to be a little bit more accessible. You know, my, mm-hmm. my, I, it's a big passion of mine to be accessible and to connect to people and, and people make snap judgments. They look at someone and, and immediately do it. It's, it's what we do. It's a subconscious thing. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but this is an expression of life that is very, people are very resistant to subconsciously because it's, they're not used to it. They're just like not used to it being a thing. So there's an immediate kind of drawback as soon as they see it. Mm -hmm. And I I was just kind of a little overdoing that to so many people all the time. It was a cool, like in the beginning, but for a long time, like a filter of the open minded people. I'm only talking to them, but I don't, I don't want to just commune and speak with and, and make friendships out of open-minded people. Like there's, there's value in all in all people. And I want to be able to, to speak with everyone um, and invite them to, to speak with me and, and to hang out and just in, enjoy a moment of life together. Um, and I can't do that if I'm shirtless for some people. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was another big one too. You know, I'm such a huge like advocate for intimacy and connection. Right. Yet I'm living this lifestyle that pushes so many people away. Um, so now it's kind of the next iteration and, and layer of that Um, tell me about the first shirt, the first shirt. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a, I had, um, a, an, a a large, but intimate, uh, topless tea party. Uh, it was a great, you know, and, and just like really having a lot of fun with it. Um, I wrote a pretty extensive invitation of like, this is a very, I've developed a lot of, um, particular sensitivities and points of awareness and being topless around how we interact with the body. Um, and I wanted to make it really clear around the kind of rules and ways of operating in this space, like maintaining eye contact and, and not touching one another. Uh, you can touch each other's hands, you know, some very odd rules of like, why would Travis not want people to touch each other? Like he's the touchiest person I know, (coughs) but to kind of provide the, the safe space to really be in your body and not worry about anything being non-consensual. Cause that happens. Like it's really difficult, especially for women in the room to be able to like not invite some people to touch them, but not all the time and only when they want it. And there's just not a way to verbalize that all the time very easily. And it would have been way much higher pressure and stress if that was a thing. So I just kind of made a rule of like and I I made a a few little rules like this of of making sure that. Where relaxing into the body and, and not making it a weird thing. Um, and also making it really safe and really comfortable. Um, and there's a lot of talk about like safety and consent and all these things in the Bay area, but I haven't really seen them put to practice very well. Right. Um, and I wanted to have an experience where that, where that was such. Um, and, and it was, it was great. It was phenomenal. It was a really, really incredible time. And then at the end of the night, like part of the invitation, um, it was a free party, but people are invited to bring a top they would like to see me in. Because um, <laughs> it's kind of a daunting thing to start a whole wardrobe on my own and like what do I buy and get and just kind of see what see what my community wants to see me in. Um, so at the end I did a little reverse striptease of putting a shirt on in front of the, the crowd and the audience. And just again, like having a goofy fun time. Um, did you choose one that somebody had brought? Yeah, or I chose you? one. Someone had brought it. was a winner. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice, shirts. Yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice shirt and it was fun and you know, just more fun to put on having buttons and yeah, all that. Yeah. um, and then really just like expressing my, my big ploy to go through this whole giant experience of being the only topless person in the room, just so I could be the only person with a shirt on in the oh, room. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So nobody else got to put their shirt on. <laughs> yeah, nobody else, I was the like only that. shirted person in the room, <laughs> which is
1: an experience I've never had before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this
0: sounds to me like this was the hottest ticket probably in town. Or the hottest invite in town
1: um, mm-hmm. to get invited to. You should make this an annual, an annual thing. I, I definitely <laughs> want to do it more regularly because um, I, I do a lot of event, event production and, and gatherings at, at my tea houses. And I, and I want to be able to um, do events that are more like this, where there's a clear sense of, of awareness of each other and each other's boundaries um, and a lot of freedom at the same time. Um, and some restriction to kind of like contain the way in which people can can interact so that there's a whole different way of of learning and growing and connecting with people. Um, and the fact that you have to maintain eye contact and you can't look at each other's bodies without asking um, was a huge, huge mm-hmm. thing for people to just actually look at each other in the eyes as they're hanging out the whole night. Um, this really it was really profound. All the little things. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting here
0: at mm-hmm. uh, the Tea Oasis, mm-hmm. uh, your tea house. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful space I had yeah, not heard you. of before. Thanks. And uh, so you guys have to come down and check this out. Um, I want to ask you about the Tea Oasis and why you started it, mm-hmm. um, what your intentions are with it,
1: what kind of space you're trying to um, create. Sure. Um, I Just a tiny little backstory. I've been doing... Um, Fu cha, which is a Chinese tea ceremony, just sitting in that, drinking drinking tea like that. Kind of what we're doing right now. uh Little cups, little that's pots, delicious. Yeah, that's thank you. Uh, little pots, little pitchers, little cups, um, and it, and it invites people to sit around together. Um, not only just invites them, but kind of forces them. You can't take your cup of tea and walk over to the corner and like sit and work on your computer. Um, it's also a device free tea house, and it's open late every night, open till midnight. Um, and is kind of an alternative social space. Uh, and really a big part of all the different interesting forms of work and business that I've done is, is kind of one of the main intentions is to redevelop habits into healthy habits. Um, and a lot of the social habits that we have in, in a lot of American culture involves like hyperstimulation and alcohol, which is not inherently a bad thing, but overconsumption is really, really toxic. And, and it's the only, one of the only ways, especially late night that we can go and, and meet people and hang out with people and just spend social time with our friends outside of anyone's house. Um, and so I wanted to make a, a habit out of that. And so it's, it's a membership-based tea house, so people have a monthly membership fee. So there's kind of an incentive to show up a lot because um, you're making use of what your membership is. And, and it creates more of a community also because you know, there's a clear buy-in of like, oh, you're a member, so you kind of really love this and get it. Why do you really love this and get it? And, mm-hmm. um, but people can come in on a day pass too uh, just to drop in for the day and, and experience you know as much tea and tea time as they want. Um, but all the tables are communal. It's mostly floor seating. Um, it's you know you kick off your shoes when you come in. It's really a place to relax and unwind um, and drink a lot of really healthy herbs and teas. It's all it's all kind of mindfully put together to to create a healthy space for people to, to come together um, and and also like practice being social with strangers and Mm -hmm. sitting around drinking tea next to someone kind of always gives you an escape if you need it, if you're kind of socially awkward. And I grew up extremely socially awkward, so I definitely get it. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so being able to like have something to do and like just to be able to sit and experience and drink your tea allows you to, um, to do something, but still be involved to still be there and even just listen to the conversation that other people are having. Um, and it just like brings you closer to people. And that's ultimately what I'm really wanting to do is to help people come closer to one another and develop trust and in, in doing activities that are much healthier for them. Um, so a a lot, a lot of different weird like jobs and forms of income and, and most, if not all of them revolve around promoting a lot of, um, trust and safety and connection between people while doing something healthy.
0: So it's, it's in the lower height. Mm hmm. Do you also live in the lower hate? I do. Yeah. So let's talk about your neighborhood Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I want to know what are your three favorite things to do or places to go in the Mm
1: -hmm. lower hate? Mm. That's a good question. Um, as far as, as businesses are concerned or
0: restaurants, cafes, Mm -hmm. bars, parks, Mm -hmm. tourist attractions. I mean, just anything like, you know, just three things you love about the lower hate. Cool.
1: Um, as a, as a general feel of the neighborhood, um, I, it's, it's really central um, and one of the flat parts of the city or flatter parts of the city. Um, the wiggle, the bike path runs right through here. Uh, it's right in front of my house. And um, there, it, there's a lot of... Um, it's like two blocks over from where I live is when the, the fog kind of cuts off on the not foggy days. Yeah. That's convenient. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's just like, it's sunny. It's a lot more vibrant. Um, people are generally a lot more open on the streets here. It feels a lot more like a neighborhood kind of space with like between Divisadero and Webster on hate kind of thing. It's a nice, nice little like sunny, flat, walkable, interesting neighborhood. Um, and, and it, yeah, like it just feels like a neighborhood, which is, which is great. Um, I really like to, I really like hang out in DuBose park. I mm-hmm. go there a lot. Um, I, I teach yoga, also acrobatic yoga and I, I teach that a lot in the, in that park mm. and I just hang out with, with friends and people in that park too. What um, is
0: acrobatic yoga?
1: Um, it's when th- there, there are two people, there's, there's a base and a flyer. Um, and the base is kind of moving the flyer around the flyer is obviously doing a lot of work too. Um, and it's just like a fun, interesting way. Again, like bringing platonic, playful kind of childlike connection mm-hmm. and touch. Um, and it's also really like really good for you. It's amazing. It's really like great for your body, flexibility, strength, and, and, and just really the biggest thing is it's super fun. Um, and, and you just kind of move someone around your feet and your, your hands while you're on, on the floor as a base. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, kind of a circus art, but not quite.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to check out Debose park. Uh, Yeah. It's crazy. I've never been there. Oh really? But, uh, you're the second person recently on the Mm -hmm. show that has mentioned that as one of their favorite spots in the city.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, please do. It's, it's really great. Um, Yeah, so Du Park is probably my favorite. Alma Square is really nice too, but it's if you got to be lucky with it because it gets really windy up there, and that's Mm. one of the things most San Franciscans hate about San Francisco is they can handle the cold, they can handle the fog, the wind like just chills them to the bone. Yeah, it's Um, been really windy mm -hmm. like here recently. Right, I've noticed that. Right. Um, So yeah, Alma Square, Du Park. This is probably my favorite outdoor areas. The Panhandle is pretty cool too, Um, and yeah that's that's like my outdoor kind of digs if you'll say that um and then restaurants and bar i don't really go to bars much anymore i'm happy to go and and socialize but it's not like i have a favorite spot that i go to um i really i really like little chihuahua on divisadero it's just kind of like cali on my list never been Oh yeah. 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 looks awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's just, it's just like whenever I need something like nourishing and really filling and right, it's, it's right there. Um, a couple of blocks from my house. Um, so that's always like a good spot for me. Um, where else in this neighborhood do I like to eat? I usually, I usually leave the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, let's expand it. Do... I always ask uh-huh. everybody
0: what are their three favorite restaurants mm-hmm. in all of San Francisco? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so f- what would you say? Got it. For um, one of them is definitely uh gracias madre on mission and 18th. Been there, yeah, really good. Yep. That's a great nourishing little spot too. Um, what do you like so much about it? Um, the, the culture of the space is really open and, and fun and interesting. Um, it's always, it's always a, like a lot of, um, kind of relaxed, easy people that both work there and go there to eat, um, and I like that kind of environment. It's also a lot of, you know, local organic food and it's all, it's all organic and a lot of it's uh, grown on their farm. Um, and it just tastes really good. It's really nourishing. I, I feel really good every time I eat there. Um, I just kind of like have this, this buzz, um uh, <laughs> whenever, whenever I leave. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely one of the spots. Um, gosh, where else? Um, oh, there was, gosh, I haven't even, I haven't been there in ages. It's up on Geary and Masonic. It's um Magnolia. An Eritrean place. Um oh. I haven't been to Magnolia, but I've heard great things about that too. Yeah, it's one of my favorite spots.
0: Uh, I can't I don't know the the spot you're talking about. Oh though. man, what is it? I forgot
1: the name of it. But what type of place is it again? Eritrean. It's like Ethiopia it's the country oh, okay. next to Ethiopia. Okay. Um or one of the countries next to Ethiopia. Um It's okay. I can look it up and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Like a Psalm or a sob or a Psalms, a T. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's somewhere in that area. You'll, you'll see it. Okay. Um, and then a third one. I can't really think of that. Really? I, I, I I cook a lot and eat a lot at home and rainbow grocery is like my spot to go get all of the stuff that I, that I cook and eat at home. That's, that's, I I generally do a lot of like that. Um, it's just really nourishing and feels good to, to make my own food and with and for people. I really like to cook for people too. So that's really the majority of my, my, um, my habits is like cooking and eating with people in homes. So San Francisco homes, like all of them there are you always go. great they to just eat named eating. your place. San yeah. Francisco homes. Yeah, your, exactly. It's your third spot. I like <laughs> that. But,
0: <laughs> exactly. So it sounds like you love San Francisco. You mm-hmm. said this is your favorite place you've ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm guessing you're probably not going to be leaving anytime soon. Um, but I always ask everybody if they had to move away, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, how would you spend your last day in San Francisco before you left? Ooh, that's a great question.
1: Um, I might, I think I might just invite everyone that I, that I know or would care to come um, up to Baker beach. If it's like the perfect sunny day and just lay on Baker beach naked. And like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's my favorite. It's like the the one nude beach in San Francisco. And I love just like soaking up the sun there. Um, and it's a place where, where there's not like it's it's a beach, it's fine. You can be in your body and you can right. show it off and it's not gonna be a, a weird thing and and it's it's not a place you go to show off your body, but to to just relax into it and soak in the sun and then jump in the ocean and I love jumping in the ocean here. Um well, I've never done it. Yeah, oh it's I've it's, never done it. It's an experience. Yeah. 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 You will um feel life. You'll feel alive when you I jump into that, that ocean. Yeah. Um yeah, it's, it's every time I go to Baker Beach, it's just such a good day. When I give myself the time to do something like like that, and um, it's great. And yeah, I, I think I, I would just, I would spend all day there and then kind of continue the, the social gathering of everyone I know into some large place, someone's home, someone's warehouse, someone's somewhere, and just have music dancing giant cuddle space um tea like again a really like nourishing last hurrah of of san francisco and to bring everybody together and and i actually i travel every year um and leave the country for two or three months and i kind of have a like little going away party just as an excuse to bring people together and i won't see them for a few months um and and it's it's usually like that like a tea dancing party where we all come together and cook and, and eat food together
0: naked sunbathing, drinking tea and dancing. Mm its a hell of a day right there. (laughs) A lot of people who only read about Travis, they've, they've, they've never met him in person. They just, they get online, they read a few articles. They, a lot of them are probably going to say, man, this, this guy's weird. The dude does a lot of weird stuff, um, but he's not. He's not weird at all. In fact, he is just an extremely hospitable, friendly, and thoughtful guy. I spent over an hour talking with him this morning and uh, just really enjoyed it. What's most remarkable is that when he talks about all of these crazy and interesting things that he's done, he makes them seem like they're the most normal everyday thing in the world, uh, that they're no big deal at all. So, I mean, later that afternoon, after we had talked, he even had me thinking that maybe I should go down to Baker Beach, strip down naked, get some sun, and then jump into the ocean. Nah, nah, not really. But sign me up for his next topless tea party. That is for sure. You can read more about Travis and get links to everything we talked about on the San Francisco People website. That's sfpeoplepodcast.com. And if you're on Twitter, you can follow the show at sfpeoplepodcast. Also, if you tweet about somebody from San Francisco doing something interesting, tag your tweet with hashtag sfpeople. I'll be following those to get new ideas for the show and looking for new guests. If you prefer, you could also send me an email to frank at sfpeoplepodcast thanks to everybody for listening i really appreciate it we'll be back in a few weeks i'm frank garza for san francisco
1: people you're listening to bff.fm where our djs are so immersed in alternative music that it instills in them a quiet confidence i'm awesome and there you go best frequencies forever